Pray with me. Holy Spirit, come now and work through your word and show us what you have for us. You're always speaking there. You're always doing what you will do in your word that is drawing us closer and closer to Christ. So do that and use my words. In Jesus' name, amen. We are continuing through the story and life of King David. And today we have a lot of ground to cover about almost 10 years of his life. And so it takes from a point where he goes from being in Saul's court, helping out, doing what he wants him to do, all the way to being king. But they are all years he spent in the wilderness. And something you have to know is that if you walk with God long enough, you will enter the wilderness. If you live in faith long enough, you will enter a long, hard season where it feels like everything you relied upon isn't there anymore or is being slowly stripped away. It's part of life with God. It happens. Many of you know this. You've lived it already. If you walk with God long enough, you'll enter the wilderness where life suddenly doesn't go like you think it should. And stuff that you thought you had easy answers to, those easy answers don't work anymore. And you might have more questions than answers. Do you, do you know that feeling? Have you been there? Your worship might seem dry. Your prayers might feel unanswered. God might feel distant. Or often in the wilderness, it's the opposite. Life is hard, and yet prayer is sweet. Time spent in God's Word is manna for your starving soul, and it feels like the only thing that feeds you. In the wilderness, God wants your trust. And the things that get in the way of you trusting God, God sometimes allows those things to be stripped away, and then all you have is God. If you live in faith long enough, you will end up in the wilderness. It is unavoidable. Although the problem is we hate to go there. We don't want to go there. We avoid it, try to avoid it, get dragged into there. And even though we hate to go there, the wilderness is a powerful place. And some of God's most important work in the Bible and in your life is done in the wilderness, where everything you relied upon for for comfort and security suddenly doesn't work anymore or you don't have anymore, and then all you have is God. And when all you have is God, you suddenly find out that God alone is enough. Well, today we're going to look at David's wilderness years and see what they might say to us. You see, most of David's 20s were spent in the wilderness, on the run, hunted by King Saul. And so he hid in caves, narrowly escaped death many times, and he's moving around quite a bit. And so we'll talk about David's wilderness years and what God does in your wilderness. Maybe not so much straightforward in that order, but those are the things we're going to talk about. Well, first, a word on wilderness, since we're already talking about it. What is it, and how do we get there? A little more on what is it. Wilderness experiences are are frequent in the Bible, and they are times of testing where God wants you to learn to trust in Him alone. Abraham had Isaac, one and only son that he was promised would form a great nation, and then God asked him to trust him to go into the wilderness and sacrifice him. But God wasn't interested in the sacrifice. He didn't want that. He wanted Abraham's trust. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's palace, but then has to flee into the wilderness of Midian for 40 years while God prepared him before he called him back to go lead his people out of Egypt. 
And then the Israelites, after leaving Egypt, were in the wilderness because they needed to learn to trust God. They lived there 40 years. And then Jesus spends 40 days in the Judean wilderness being tempted by the devil. The wilderness is a time of testing and preparation. And for many, it's, it's this time where things you formerly found comfort in and security, they just aren't there. And all you have is God. And strangely, you find out that God is enough. Well, then, how do we get there, you might be wondering. Well, first, hard to admit, but sometimes we are the own causes of our time in the wilderness. It could be you. Sometimes your tough season in life is brought on by your own decisions. could be a poor financial decision leads to a monetary wilderness, which then can strain relationships or could be bad health habits for many years lead to heart attacks and other long-term issues. Or maybe just some uh, poor choices you made really strained a relationship with somebody that you love. At times, it's our own doing and we cause our own time in the wilderness, but not always. The second thing that causes them are, is other people. Other people sin against you. And sometimes that causes you to live a long time in the wilderness. Your spouse could walk out on you, leaving you with the children, and you're in a long wilderness. Or an unethical boss terminates you unfairly, or someone speaks painful words that cut your heart for years. Yes, other people can cause your wilderness. But then there's God. God sent his people to the wilderness to learn to trust him. God sent Jesus by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to test him. Sometimes God sends us there. Well, let's then move to David. Enough on that for now. We'll come back to it. Let's get to David and his time in the wilderness. I've been showing you this most weeks. This is David's life. We are into the 20s, the third one down. Uh, 20s to 30 is where we'll end today. He's an anointed king and in secret, of course. And then uh, last week we looked at David and Goliath, defeats Goliath, saves his people, and then King Saul brings him into his court to play music for him, to soothe his Saul's tormented soul, but also a commander in the army. And he's very successful, and Saul can't handle it. Saul, King Saul is egotistical and erratic and angry, and he just can't handle David's success and popularity. And yet David trusted God. God was with him and made him succeed, and so people, Bible records, people chanting things like, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands, and... Saul's like, no, I can't stand that. David must die. So Saul tries to kill David twice. Once while playing the harp for him, he grabs a spear and tries to throw it at him, and he escapes. And then the second time, uh, David ended up marrying one of Saul's daughters to complicate things, make it even worse for him. And so he decides that uh, he's going to send some thugs into David while he's sleeping and kill him. So somebody knocks at the door, and Saul's wife, or daughter, David's wife answers, who's there? Uh, hired goons, we're going to murder David. And he, she says, David's not feeling well today. You know, he, he's not feeling up for getting killed today. Maybe come back tomorrow. And then, and then Saul says, well, bring him here in bed. I'll kill him myself. And then she was the one that tricked him and made basically a dummy under the covers with goat's hair and pillows and brought that to Saul while David escaped. So he barely escapes for his life. And then he's out in the wilderness 
where he spends most of his 20s hiding and fleeing. So I want to show you what it looks like on a map. Look for the green. Can you see the green line? That's where David goes. So we're going to follow some of this. Coming to Bible study, we'll look more in depth of more time. If you can't read the, in the red box, those are little descriptors. I just want you to be able to see the green line. I'll talk you through a little bit of it. First, he flees to Samuel. So he goes up, up north, up to where Samuel is, to get, ask for help from the prophet. And then he goes over to, uh, to the left, if you can't see, you know, where the red dot up there, knob, where there's priests there. And he actually lies to the priest there. He lies to him so that'll help him. Okay, so David's getting a little more complicated here. Lies to the priest, not a good idea. But they help him, and he, then he's given Goliath's sword, which he already had once, and, and then uses that. And then he goes over to the, all the way to the far left to Gath. Well, that's where Goliath is from. So now he's in Philistine territory. Not a good idea if you're David, who everybody knows what you've done. And so then David pretends to be insane to escape there. They go, oh, this guy's crazy, we'll let him go. That's exactly what happened. And then he goes to where the reading for today, the cave of Adalam. It's the white dot east of Gath to kind of right down the word, down from the word eludes. David eludes, Saul straight down. First white dot. Cave of Adalam, that's where David is in our reading today. So I'm going to pause there and read what we looked at. It said, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adalam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went to him there. And those who were in distress or debt or discontented gathered around him. This is very important. And he became, became their commander. About 400 men were with him. From there, I'll read the rest of it. From there, David went to Mizpah to Moab to the king of Moab. Kind of strange to go to him. But he said, would you let my father and mother come stay with you for their safety until I learn what God would do for me? So he left them with the king of Moab and then stayed with them as long as David was in the stronghold. But the prophet Gad said to David, then don't stay here anymore. Go to the land of Judah. And then David left and went to the forest of Heret. See, you see, it's in this cave where you get the sense that even though David is on the run, barely escaping alive in places, David is becoming a great leader. In the cave, all these people come to him and they want to be near him because something's different about him. And so you have all who are in distress or dead or discontented coming to him and he became their commander. They knew that David was the one to be with and he becomes their leader. And it's also in the cave where David writes some of his best psalms. The one we already read, 57. Go, look at it in your Bible, it'll say, wrote in this, in this time in the cave, and he says, be merciful to God, be merciful to me. In you my soul takes refuge, I cry out to you, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. David's on the run, in hiding, and yet trusted God to lead his life. And then later on he says, my soul is in the midst of lions, that's what he felt like, of course. But, verse 10, your steadfast love is great to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. How often are we tempted to doubt God's faithfulness in the wilderness? Another psalm he wrote here is Psalm 142. It starts with, I cry to the Lord, I pour out my complaint. Bring me out of this prison, God, that I may give thanks to your name. Makes more sense hiding in a cave, doesn't it? 
You see, David never wanted to be in the wilderness hiding in a cave. But God did some powerful work there. And I bet the same is for you. You probably never wanted to be in your wilderness, whatever it is or was, but God can do some powerful work there. Okay, let's turn to the map to figure out some more of this quickly. David moves on. Uh, number four, if you can see or follow, he goes from, from Adulam and starts snaking all around. He has to go uh, to Moab. You heard about that. That's way over on the other side of the Dead Sea to ensure his parents' safety. Makes a weird alliance with the king of Moab. Help his parents. Then back over to Israel. And then he fights the Philistines to save the town of Kailah. And then escapes Saul again to the wilderness of Ziph. And then over the wilderness of Moan. And then, then he's at En Gedi, which is this beautiful spring on the, on the Dead Sea, hiding there. And then this strange thing happens where David's hiding in a cave and Saul goes, comes to go to the bathroom in the same cave, and David could kill him, but he doesn't. And then confronts him and says, hey, why, why are you trying to kill me? I'm, I'm being faithful to you. And then David escapes back over to Gath, to the enemies, to the Philistines, and helps them and becomes ruler of a town of, of Ziklag and fights for the Philistines. It's getting really complicated. And if you fast forward to the end, Saul takes his army all the way up north off of the map, to fight the Philistines, and Saul, King Saul, dies in battle. And then at the age of 30, so we kind of blew through almost 10 years, 8 years, David is crowned king of Judah in the south at age 30. And then seven years later, unites all of Israel. Now, I know you're sitting there, some of you might sit there, man, this is long and meandering and detailed, and it is. I want you to see the path that God took David on from being anointed to be king, from when he told him you're going to be king, to when he actually became king. Do you see the path God took David on from when he said you're going to be the next king to when you actually are the next? It's a straight, everything makes sense, perfect straight path, right? No. Anything but. David's training, David's formation process was anything but straight and did not make sense. David's wilderness lasted a long time. God told him, you're going to be king, and you'd think it would happen somewhat soon, not 20 years later. It was 20 years from his anointing to be king around age 17 and becoming king. Well, of all at 37, so less than uh, about 13 to king of Judah, and then 20 to king of all of Israel. All of that, with 10 of those years, almost all those fighting for his life, on the run, making weird alliances, having this complicated life where he lies to a priest, works for the enemy, and yet he writes beautiful chapters of the Bible and knows that God was near. Could David have ended his wilderness a whole lot sooner? Yes. If he was willing to kill Saul... He could have avoided running for his life for years, could have been done, could have made himself king a whole lot sooner. But did he? No. Why not? Because David trusted God to lead his life. And he trusted that whatever he went through, God would use to train him for the future. God had work to do in David's life before he became king, and David let God lead him in the wilderness. It wasn't easy but he knew it was worth it. 
So what about you? And what about you in your wilderness? Does any part of David's story speak to you? What was your wilderness like? When we are in the wilderness, whether it's a season of depression or a long health struggle or a challenge of faith or just a long, hard season, when you are in the wilderness, it doesn't feel like progress, does it? It doesn't feel like you're going anywhere. And when you're living in the spiritual wilderness, what actually does it feel like? I'll show you. I think it feels like that, right? feels like you're meandering, not going forward, not progressing, sometimes running for your life, wondering if God is with you. And yet this is what spiritual formation looks like. This is what growing in faith looks like. Sometimes some of the hardest seasons, it feels like you have nothing else but God, but then you realize that God alone is enough. You see, spiritual maturity isn't a straight line. Boy, I wish it was, but it's not. Growing in faith is not a simple step-by-step process. When you walk with God and trust God, He will lead you on strange journeys that might feel like you're going nowhere, yet God is doing some of His most powerful work in you. He is forming you and He is preparing you for something later and He wants you to learn to trust Him. Here's as short as I can put it. Let God lead you in the wilderness. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. If you can read it, say it with me. Let God lead you in the wilderness. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. God allows us to experience things that we would never choose on our own in order to mold us into the people He wants us to become. And yet, If I'm honest, we want our wilderness to end quickly, right? I want to take the shortcut. I want to hop on the private jet from New York to L.A., not take the Greyhound bus, and then detour through Mexico and Canada. We don't want that. I want God to teach lessons quickly, make us more patient now, give us greater faith and trust today. And David had those opportunities. He had opportunities to kill Saul And you'd think, boy, he's anointed now, and then the victory he gives his people with Goliath, boy, he's got to be king soon, or just kill Saul and be the king. But David was patient and trusted God, even though it meant leading him through caves and running and hiding and making weird alliances and two chances to kill Saul, he trusted that God would lead him. And those wilderness years were probably the finest years of David's life. He wrote many psalms. At times, he had nothing else to rely on but God, and he realized that God alone was enough. Jesus, in his wilderness, the devil comes to him. He's there 40 days, 40 nights, and the devil comes to tempt him to to take the easy path to glory. The devil says, bow down to me and worship me, and I'll give you everything. And yet Jesus said no, because Jesus chose the long, lonely, wilderness road to Calvary. And in the wilderness of the cross, Jesus was all alone, but he was God who had come to rescue you, and he alone is enough. In the wilderness of death, Jesus was then laid into a cave, and it was a borrowed cave for a tomb. And it's in that cave that Jesus rises from the dead. And like David in his 
cave, the outcasts come to Jesus. Outcasts come to Jesus in his life and ministry. The sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, those in need, those, those that are broken because they know that forgiveness and life came from Jesus. And the Bible says that if we climb into Jesus' cave with him, we are saved and we are given life. You see, Romans 6 says that whoever is baptized into Christ is buried with him in his cave so that when he rises in his cave, you rise with him. Jesus let his Father lead him through the wilderness, which went to the cross and into a cave. It wasn't easy, but it was worth it for you. And he came out alive for you. Say it one more time with me. Let God lead you in the wilderness. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. Amen.